Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of This is CX, our CX podcast. I'm Mike Manfredo. And this is Paul Hagen. And Paul, good to talk with you again. Always a pleasure. Uh, Today, we are joined by Mike Rowland, who's a director in our customer experience practice. I'll let him uh, introduce himself. So Mike, welcome, and thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. Glad to be here and to to help some uh, of our folks understand a little bit more about strategy and the measurement of it. So ready to go when you are. Awesome. All right. So Mike, you kind of alluded to our topic for today, which is taking a a deeper dive into CX measurement. Uh, We've been, I would say, over the the course of this year, we've seen the idea of CX measurement as part of a CX strategy kind of evolve and continue to, uh, as we learn more, want to bring that forward. And so I want to talk about that today. Paul, you and I actually talked about CX measurement, uh, I think like episode nine uh, of this year. And, you know, we threw out this idea of if you're not measuring CX, you're not really doing CX. Can you just kind of just recap uh, real quick uh, what we talked about uh, on that in terms of the different metrics, uh, perception metrics, but uh, and then we'll, we'll get into kind of how that's changed and in, in, uh, when we talk with Mike. Yeah, I, I love that, you know, that, that idea of you're not measuring CX, you're not doing it. I, I think whenever customer experience starts to get popular within a company, everyone and their brother uh, couches everything they're doing within customer experience. And uh, it, it often is based on, you know, perhaps their own perceptions or uh, internal operational metrics, um, you know, like first time call handling or on time delivery, um, and not necessarily on what customers are thinking. So when we talk about measuring customer experience, it's first and foremost, going out and asking, you know, looking at uh, perception metrics, what do customers feel like? So if you're talking about, you, you know, thinking you're doing on time delivery, you know, well, do customers perceive that as on time delivery? So there's perception metrics, and what customers say, there's what uh, customers are actually doing. So looking at some of the behavior that they're doing. Um, and we often look at um, those metrics, you know, I think where people start out is looking at touch points. But we like to look at it at the relationship level, at the highest level, you know, how do customers feel about us? And and again, what are they doing? Are they loyal? Are they staying with us? Are they churning? Down to the lowest level of touch points. And then in between, there's journeys. Customers, you know, they may hit multiple touch points trying to accomplish one task. So, you know, we look at both the relationship, the journey, and and, and touch points as, as, as places to start thinking about measuring customer experience. Yeah, excellent. So, Mike, I'm going to turn to you. Uh, with some of the work that we've been doing with our clients and talking around CX measurement, th- there's been this idea of the perception metrics are absolutely important, critical, getting the customer perspective. But as we start talking about organizations, about bigger, broader transformation, becoming more customer-centric as an organization, um, we, we've kind of been identifying this need for a holistic set of metrics. And so I wanted to talk to you about kind of where we've gone with that uh, and what you've seen uh, with our clients. Sure. So when, when we look at measuring the impact of customer experience, particularly the strategies and the initiatives that organizations are undertaking, there, there's multiple ways to focus. And as, as Paul uh, has stated, a big part of that is understanding the outside perspective regarding your efforts as an organization to deliver value to your customers or your clients. But there are other components to it that are kind of mission critical in terms of measuring and understanding the value 
that your employees have in delivering on that CX promise or, uh, you know, how they're empowered to deliver upon it. Because between the two of those, you're talking about the execution of your CX and the, the, the representative value received by your customers. But what we have, have done with clients and talked to clients is taking it to that next step. And that is actually quantifying the operational metrics and the components of changing the way your process or your technology is operating from an operational standpoint, and then what is the value, meaning the economic value associated with that. So that when you put these components together, you have a unique to your organization way of looking at not just the value you're delivering to your customers, but how well your employees are enabled to deliver that value. And then just as importantly, and probably more importantly for your C-level executives, what is the economic value out of your efforts in customer experience? Great. So you, you kind of met, so we mentioned this, the customer perspective, the employee perspective, and then the there's the operational and then the outcome or the business value. So there are kind of four key areas. That's interesting because uh, there's kind of this oldie but goodie um, kind of approach or framework that we've been throwing back and forth and, and using it. Uh, with this, and that's the balanced scorecard. Um, talk to us a little bit more about, you know, uh, just to remind people, what is the what is the balanced scorecard? Why do we use it? Um, and then how do we take those metrics and really start to use it as a framework to measure the holistic, you know, customer experience and the value that it delivers? Sure. At, at the very basic level, what a balanced scorecard is, is a way of managing your implementation of any strategy and project. So in this case, your CX transformation. Um, the, the, the critical components of a balanced scorecard um, are several, but what you are looking for is a selection of a small number of metrics or data items that you can monitor and, and look for the performance of your efforts and see what the return is in terms of the metric moving the way you want it to go. Um, but it, it's not just financial metrics or it's not just customer facing metrics as we've talked about. And this is where the balance comes in. It's a balance between your financial and non-financial data items that give a more complete picture as to how you are performing as your organization is transforming. So that's everything from your customer perception metrics, your employee enablement or empowerment metrics, as well as those operational and financial metrics. Too often folks focus just on one or two and the balanced scorecard approach gives you better visibility into how well your overall program is performing. Yeah. So, you know, Paul, the, the example that you had mentioned uh, or, you know, at the beginning of this episode um, in terms of, you know, that, that first call resolution, we, you know, operationally, if you were to look at just the operational metrics behind it, we think we're doing really well. But then if you don't have that per, the balance of the perception piece, you could actually see that, oh, we've skewed too much one way where we're not either resolving the issue or because we're so focused on getting off the phone, it's actually leaving a poor experience. And if we don't understand the employee impact of that or feel like they're empowered to be able to help someone on the call versus, hey, I got to get off the phone to take the next one. Using that balance allows us to really think about the, the totality of the experience. 
Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head, right? It is, it's, it's about, you know, not just being narrowly focused on, on only uh, measuring that customer experience, but, you know, um, um, figuring out how, you know, it's a framework. It's about driving that into other parts of the organization that you need, um, you know, that any customer experience needs on board um, to, to help drive um, customer experience ultimately. And ultimately if customer experience isn't driving, um, what people do in operations, if it's not uh, um, it, driving financial outcomes, then, you know, it's not going to live very long or the customer experience leader who's driving it is not going to be in their position for very long. So it, so in the balance scorecard really, you know, one, I love it because, you know, one of the one of the elements specifically states what's the customer's perception of you know success so it forces you to define that up front, but then it, you know, also also creates some some questions. Well, given given what the customer defines as success, what are the drivers underneath that operational that I need to do, and how do I need to engage people to um, and train them up or give them the tools to you know actually deliver that? And 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 if I do those things, what are the financial outcomes? So I sometimes like to take the the balance scorecard and you know as a customer experience leader, just turn it a little bit instead of putting financial. Uh, outcomes at the top, put the customer at the top and then scaffold it down, you know, across the, the, the financial, um, uh, uh employee and, and, and operations kinds of pieces. So again, it gives a, it, it's a great tool to, to kind of connect more broadly with, um, you know, the, the executive team and, and others in operations around what you're trying to achieve. It forces, you know, any customer experience leader or customer experience team to, to think about those things and what are the most important metrics that they're 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 following. Yeah. So, Mike, um, as we have more conversations with clients and folks out in the industry, what are some of the challenges that you've been hearing uh, when it comes to measuring CX and and uh, potentially implementing the use of of the balanced scorecard? Uh, when trying to prove out the business value that that CX can ultimately drive for an organization, sure. I, I think first and foremost, it, it's focusing on which metrics are important to your organization uh, across the the four categories that we've been speaking about. The the you know focus on so much data and so many metrics being available sometimes confuses people um, because it, it's simply too much. So it, it's taking the, the metrics that are available and making them fit to your organization. That's probably the greatest challenge. The second challenge is, is data availability, especially when we start getting to the operational side. Um, some CX teams are not connected heavily into the operational sides of their business um, for one reason or another, they're in customer service only, and they need to get in touch more with, say, for example, the fulfillment operations to understand how that is all impacted by customer experience. So it, it's determining the data that can support this as well. Um, and then, you know, we, we all love to see spreadsheets, right? But if, if you can visualize the data, especially the, the important data into, uh, you know, pie charts, graphs, thermometers, uh, you know, everyone loves the Domino's pizza tracker type of idea. Uh, but if, if you can visualize the data, then you grow the acceptance of the methodology because people understand it intuitively when they see it visually. But too often we want to just put things in a spreadsheet or in an email. So I, I would recommend, you know, to overcome that challenge using visualization. 
And then lastly, the analysis uh, is a challenge. Somebody has to take a look at the numbers and track and understand what the implications are. For example, in the, the contact center um, issue that, that we've talked a little bit about, you know, there's a challenge there when, when we make operational changes to actually follow through on the employee engagement and therefore the, the net result of what happened to your customer in terms of the value they received or did not receive. And so sometimes, you know, you can go the other way. It's, it's not just getting people off the phone faster with call time resolution, but sometimes it's taking the, the point of view of we have to make sure that everyone who leaves is fully satisfied and would give us a good score. And so what ends up there is you, you get into the situation where if the employees don't have the tools necessary to answer and they're not empowered to answer everything, then you get a lot more escalation to your tier two. And that ends up having a negative benefit on your financial metrics. So it all comes together, but somebody has to analyze that and understand it. Excellent. Hey, Paul. Uh, so as, you know, as we're talking about this and hearing about some of the challenges, I feel like there might be some pitfalls or, um, some if we focus so much on the metrics we we might get lost in what we're actually trying to do have you kind of seen that um, out in the industry or um, challenges that organizations face as a cx organization or as a cx leader how do you ensure you don't get people so focused on the numbers when we're still trying to keep you know the customer at the end in mind yeah, I hear you. You know, and I, I think my my red flags go up um, pretty much every time I hear someone tying, uh, you know, executive compensation or frontline compensation, you know, bonus compensation to, you know, something like a net net promoter metric or uh, you know something else. You know, the the until you've got real good culture change, until you've got really good data, until you understand the drivers of of customer experience. Um, you know, those things always, always set me off as, as warning signals and part, partly because they can be a little bit too narrow. Again, that's why I like the bound bound scorecard is it really thinks across, you know, not just the customer perception metric, but how is it moving our financials and, and, and changing our operations, you know, and so that, that becomes a much more interesting thing to start tying compensation around, you know, you want buy-in, um, but you don't want to get, you know, you want the you want buy in on a vision and an end state as opposed to a specific metric. Um, the metrics are really supposed to be there as guardrails and 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 indicators of whether you're on track or you're not on track. Um, but, you know, like strategy in this environment, I, I would say, you know, metrics in this environment are, you, you know, the market moves fast. Companies need to move fast and they need to adjust their strategy. And, and with that, moving their their, their metrics, you know, it's, um, you know, it's all, it's all about adapting. Um, and so, you know, for any company, my, my advice is make sure that, you know, executive team is, is very, very clear on what the end state, you know, very, what the end state looks like and use these metrics as a, as, as your guardrails for, are we, are we generally on track or are we missing something, you know, pretty dramatically? And I would say, as Mike said, don't get caught up in, you know, I think the, the danger with a balanced scorecard is you can end up with, you know, 50 metrics, you know, only a few of which really actually matter. You can get drowned in data. Um, I, I think some of this stuff is the simpler, the better, um, you know, for, for, for going after that end state vision. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think um, that idea of 
having the balance, understanding the trends, where are we heading? Uh, it's interesting. A lot of times when we start setting up metrics or measurements uh, with some of our customers, you know, or clients, they'll they'll kind of say, "Well, is that a good score or not?" If we benchmark them, uh, this was a particular client of ours where we had, we kind of benchmarked the the uh, an NPS benchmark of where they were, and they're is that a good score? Is that a bad score? What have we seen in our industry? The answer I came back with was, well, it's a number. It's where you at are. It's where you're at today. Let's look at and then benchmark. You know, in a month, six, three months, six months, a year to understand: Are you moving the needle? And I think sometimes people get so focused on the specific number versus what the number might be telling you and telling you over time. And where you want to be, right? I mean, you know, if I've got, you know, customers leaving, then, you know, I could have whatever my number is. If I've got 20% of my customers who, you know, don't like me or are neutral to me, um, you know, that, that, that may be a problematic for, 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 for my company and, and, and my financials. And so, you know, I, I, I think your answer was great. It's a number. It gives you something. Now, where do you want to go and what are you going to do with it um, to improve it? Right. And, and, Going back, that's why we talk to clients around the concept of the balance scorecard to get them understanding the four different areas of measurement. But what we recommend is to define a set of what we call hallway metrics, which are those three metrics or so, two to three metrics that everyone on the team clearly understands. They're easy to measure, but they also talk directionally about the success of your efforts. So, you know, for the companies and clients that are focused solely on NPS or solely on customer sat, it's how else are you showing the value back to the organization, right? So is it, uh, you know, as a result of those scores and moving detractors to neutral, what we're seeing is more repeat purchase or lower customer churn or more profitable pr- uh, transactions by more profitable customers. There, there's there's multiple ways to do this, but the key is three simple metrics that people can easily understand to tell about the story of how well the program is doing. Excellent. All right. Well, I want to wrap up with this thought. Um, where do we think the future of CX measurement is. Mike, I'm going to throw this to you. Uh, where do you see CX measurement moving uh, moving to? So I, I believe that as, as more companies and organizations become comfortable with the, the idea that measuring CX goes beyond just CX and customer perception scoring to employee engagement and empowerment and through the organization's efforts to gain efficiency and differentiation through their operations and what the economic value is. The need for data is going to grow. It, it, it's, it's a maturity model, if you will. Where the future holds is actually taking the data that's available and using it for more than looking back to see how we did. It's actually moving into analytics, which is truly the future, and using analytics to then, before you put a new initiative in place, understand the impact through data that you've got to predict what the impact should be and could be so that you understand the impact on your balance scorecard and the value to your organization, your employees, and most importantly, your customers. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I actually um, uh, was uh, attending a webinar yesterday and uh, they were were talking about CX measurement, um, but using data analytics to actually predict um, NPS scores, 
based uh, as part of uh, coming out of uh, call center uh, transactions where they could actually use big data text analytics uh, sentiment analysis to ultimately predict what a score would be versus having to reach out and, and and that backwards looking kind of descriptive asking people. So I think the idea of the predictive nature, both in terms of what happened and kind of how they were feeling as well as what could happen. I think you're right on the money with that. Um, I thought that was really interesting. I, I expect to see more modeling around this in the future as well. And I could I could see, you know, there's there's some interesting things around the health. I think we've talked about this in a, in a previous episode, the health of a customer, you know, using all of that data and, and, and customers behavior, you know, combination of their sentiment and behaviors and, and other things to, you know, project out what, you know, are they are they in a good state? Are they succeeding at getting the value out of our products and services? You know, this notion of customer success tied to uh tied to this. I think there's a lot more sophistication that we can get in, in, in sort of, you know, beyond the sentiment to, to, to really understanding that and, and what value that drives to companies. So I think we're going to see a lot more around unstructured data as well. Um, as the conversational interfaces um, get better, the mining of that, the, you know, the, either the text or the voice interactions give you all sorts of interesting insights into, into what customers are, are thinking and, and feeling and so forth. So I think we're going to see a lot more robustness in, in measuring the customer side of, of the equation, you know, we've had a lot more uh, attention maybe on the operational and the financial ones. And then I would say probably the other interesting place, we're just seeing rising everywhere, the employee side, employee engagement, employee experience and employee enablement, um, kind of the three E's of, of, of employees. You know, so turning turning some of the same tools on customer sentiment into that employee engagement and the employee experience and understanding, again, what they're doing and how they're doing it, the behaviors um, that lead to great customer experiences that lead to customer outcomes. You know, I think we're going to see a lot more attention there. So there's a lot more robustness as the, as, as the ability to mine and, and make meaning of data um, comes alive. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm going to uh, end our conversation there. Uh, Mike, really appreciate you joining Paul and myself today uh, for the conversation. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Paul, uh, as always. And, and thank you to everyone who's listened. Uh, looking forward to having you join us on the next conversation. So uh, take care. Thanks. Have a great one.